0: All right, well, good morning, everybody. I hope everybody had a good week. Uh, It looks like the last warmish week for a while. Looks like we're gonna get a little colder this, uh, this coming week, possibly some snow on Friday night. But you know, I know some of you are saying, shh, don't say that word. And some of you are saying, bring it on. Uh, As most of you know, uh, next Sunday evening at 7 o'clock is our Christmas candlelight service. We had that announcement, uh, we've announced that for the last couple of weeks. And we are planning a wonderful evening of storytelling and music and reflection on what it means to be Christ-like during this season of the year and throughout the year. And during that service, we're going to take up uh, a special offering, and this offering is not for morning hour chapters. We are not going to keep any of the money that comes in on um, during this service. We're going to be sending 100% of the offering that we collect to three local organizations that strive to do the work of Christ in our community. The first organization is Tender Care Pregnancy Consultation. They're in Gettysburg and, and Hanover. And they offer a safe, non-judgmental environment where individuals can discuss their pregnancy-related concerns. And this organization offers pregnancy testing, ultrasound, prenatal, and parenting classes. They offer honest information about all of the options that a woman has during pregnancy, including keeping the child, possibly giving the child up for adoption, and they also provide realistic information about abortion. The second organization is New Hope Ministries, and most of us are familiar with New Hope. Uh, They are a, a Christian social service agency that shows the love and hope of Christ by serving our neighbors in times of need and supporting their efforts towards stability. And that support includes food and basic needs. Uh, New Hope has a a mobile uh, food pantry that they go out into the neighborhoods and they provide food. Uh, They provide uh, job development programs. They provide youth programs. So there are a lot of good things that are going on with New Hope Ministries. And the third organization is Adams Rescue Mission, which is uh, celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. Adam's Rescue Mission exists to proclaim the passion of Jesus to the hungry, homeless, abused, and addicted, and to accelerate recovery and restoration to the least, last, lonely, and lost. And their services including a men's a homeless shelter, another shelter for women and children. They also offer counseling Uh, life skills coaching, and they have a vocational training program called The Greenhouse, where uh, folks who are in their shelters can come and actually work this greenhouse, grow vegetables and plants and trees and things like that, and then they sell those. uh, That provides some source of income for the folks that are there, also provides a source of income for uh, the Adams Rescue Mission. And the reason that We are doing this, and we did this last year as well, but the reason that we do this is because we have been richly blessed at Morning Hour Chapel, and we see those blessings every single week. And we want to be a blessing now to these organizations because most of these organizations don't see a huge uh, monetary support. And they also are also looking for volunteers People who would come and just spend some of their time helping uh, to accomplish their mission. So, if, uh, on, on Sunday uh, next week, on the, the during the uh, well during the evening service, uh, we will have information out in the lobby about each of these three organizations, and give you some information about how you can volunteer uh, if you would uh, be willing to do that. So. How many of you have ever watched The Grinch? Anybody, nobody, just me? Okay, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. This is a Jim Carrey version that I'm talking about now. Um, And you might remember the Who's down in Whoville, right? And one of the things that the Who's down in Whoville would do is they had this humongous clock tower. And it was the job of one of the who's every minute, as soon as the clock turned, what would he say? Anybody remember? One minute closer to Christmas. And he did that all year long. And like on the last day we saw him, and it was like, I don't know, eight o'clock at night. Four more hours till Christmas. And they kept track of the time by the minute. And of course, as long as I've been alive and even longer, you know, people have counted down to Christmas. Did anybody ever count down to Christmas? Teachers, you ever make the little loop things that you hang in your room and you cut one off every day to count down to Christmas? Sometimes we use these. This is a, uh, what they call an advent calendar that starts on December 1st and you count down and you open the little drawers and you get a little piece of candy or something for, uh, for each day. And once we get to this point, once we get to about a week before Christmas, everybody starts to panic. Anybody ever panic the week before Christmas because we gotta make the cookies and we gotta clean the house for the family that's coming over and we gotta go and pick out those last minute Christmas gifts. Anybody ever go last minute Christmas shopping? I love it. (laughs) Wendy thinks I'm crazy. 23rd, 24th, I'm out there, man. It is like just fun to watch people. It really, I, I know, I'm, I'm a little weird, but it really is. And gift-giving during the holidays just takes quite a bit of our time and energy, doesn't it? Because we have to figure out what to buy, and we have to figure out where to buy it, and then we gotta buy it, and then we gotta wrap it, and then we gotta actually give it to the person. And then when we give the gift, we wanna watch the person and see if they're gonna be happy with the gift or if they're not gonna be happy with the gift because advertisers tell us that your person has to be happy. You gotta get the perfect gift for each and every person. Otherwise, they're gonna look like this. (laughs) Another tie. We want, the people who receive our gifts to be happy, right? And especially we watch children, and sometimes teenagers on Christmas morning, and they're unwrapping all of the gifts that they already wrote down on their list and gave to you with the size, color, number, uh, special edition title for video games, all that kind of stuff, right, kids? Yeah, all right. But we wanna, we wanna see them happy, we wanna see them smile. And then what happens after Christmas? You just spent $60 on a video game that your kid beat in one day. <laughs> and what happens? Well, they're no longer happy with that video game. They want something else. We're not happy with the, the, the blouse that we got, or the shoes that we got, or whatever it is that we got, and we want to get, and we always are looking for the next thing. How many of you have ever gotten a gift that truly, truly has made you happy for like years and years and years? Can you remember any gifts that have made you that happy? A very small percentage of people are raising their hands right now. When we think about all of these things, and we somewhere in this tangled up holiday that we celebrate as Christmas, people decided that it was very, very important to make people happy, at least for a day or two. But we seem to have lost the reality that Christmas isn't about happiness. Christmas is about joy. And this morning, we're continuing our Advent series called Untangling Christmas, and we're trying to pull ourselves back from all of the stuff that's out there, all of the cookies and the gifts and the parties and all of those things. And we're trying to place our focus fully on these events surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ and what those events meant back then and what they mean for us today. And as the Burwaggers read for the uh, Advent uh, candle this morning, this week's candle, the pink one, represents joy. And as they read this morning, they said that happiness is a temporary emotion. And it's true. Happiness is temporary. There are a lot of things that can steal your happiness like that. Joy is an eternal condition that comes from the work of God. From creation all throughout history and on into eternity. And the third Advent uh, candle is also called the shepherds' candle because it represents the good news of great joy that shepherds in the region received at the hands of the angels. And it refers to their reaction. This good news of great joy brought them great joy. This was not something that was just temporary or transitive. But they heard about the joy of the work that God was doing on earth at that time moment. And this morning, we're going to read today from the book of Luke in chapter 2, and we're going to read the story of the shepherds. We're going to stop along the way and talk a little bit about what what actually happened. What does this mean? So we're starting in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then we're gonna stop right there. We wanna focus a little bit on these shepherds because we don't know a lot about them. There's not like a lot of background to this story. It was, oh, by the way, there were some shepherds and they were out in their fields. It just like moves to that part of the story. But we don't know about them, even though there is a lot of information about shepherds. We could learn about shepherds. We can even learn about shepherds in the first century. But how often do we? We don't really think about shepherds. We don't think about who these men were, what they were doing, why they were doing it. And the answer is much more fascinating than, than you might believe. And when I first studied this, this is just, it was fascinating to me to learn some of these things. So we read that these shepherds were in the same region as Bethlehem. And if we look at a map map, you see that Bethlehem is about five miles due south of Jerusalem, so not really very far at all. And, all right, before I do that, let me tell you about this, uh, this book that the Jews use. The Jews have this compilation of ancient texts, they call it the Talmud. And the first part of the Talmud is this thing called the Mishnah. And the Mishnah is this gathering of uh, Old Testament texts, uh, texts that aren't necessarily in the Old Testament, but are teachings by the ancient rabbis and people like that. And the the Jewish people really kind of follow this, this Talmud along with the Torah, which is the Old Testament. And the Mishnah says that Messiah will be revealed from Migdal Eder, it's translated Tower of the Flock. And this tower was kind of a boundary point. And in uh, seven 7.4, which is part of the Mishnah, it reads that an animal that was found between Jerusalem and Migdal Eder, right outside of Bethlehem, The males could be considered burnt offerings and the females would be considered peace offerings. Those were the offerings that happened in the temple in Jerusalem every day. So these sheep that the shepherds were keeping were not just regular ordinary sheep. These sheep were the sheep that they would use during those sacrifices. So, we find out that these shepherds really weren't just shepherds. They were what were called temple shepherds, which meant that they had vast responsibilities, not just to keep the sheep, but they had to know the Torah. They had to know the law and the prophets because it was their responsibility to keep these particular sheep blemish-free so that they could be used for these sacrifices. So those are the shepherds that we're talking about, a little more educated than maybe some people think. But let's read on. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And a lot of times we think about this event Don't we usually think about and aren't we usually told that these shepherds are just these lowly, dirty, ignorant people? And then we wonder why God would come to them instead of coming to, oh, I don't know, say a king or a prince or somebody of great importance. But again, we have to think about what the shepherds were. Yes, they were lowly. If you uh, read through history in the Old Testament, the shepherd of the family was usually the youngest son. So, for example, David, who later became the king of Israel, he was the youngest son of Jesse. And he was the one that was the shepherd. And he was almost overlooked when Nathan came to look for the new king of Israel because he was just a shepherd. But the things that we read that David has done, David fought bears and lions with his bare hands. David knew how to play musical instruments. You heard um, Laurie talk about the bell that the shepherd would use. Well, they also used things like flutes and harps and things like that to calm the sheep to help them to sleep, to help them to calm down. They knew all of these things. And most of all, they knew how to raise sheep. Because sheep are not generally considered wild animals. Sheep can't take care of themselves. So the shepherds are in charge of cleaning them and feeding them and making sure that they all stay together. If one of the sheep wanders off, the shepherd has to go off and find the sheep. And every once in a while, if one sheep keeps wandering off, the shepherd would break its legs. And I know that sounds horrible. But after it broke its legs, he would then carry it around on his shoulders until it was healed. And this was to help the sheep to know that it shouldn't run off. There were all kinds of things that shepherds did. And it's true, sheep herding is a dirty job. Anybody watch Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe? Dirty, dirty job. I mean, sheep are dirty animals. They can't clean themselves. Shepherds were outside all the time. Their skin took a beating and they were just in either dirt or dust or mud or whatever it was, all the time. They had to fight off those predators like David did, right? So they might have had just it was dirty it was a lot of dirt and life for a shepherd was hard but shepherds were not ignorant and you remember we said that the shepherds needed to have this knowledge of God's word so that they could fulfill their job so that they could do the thing that God had called them to do And the shepherds at this event were working in service to the temple. And when they heard the words, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, they knew exactly what that meant. It meant the end of temple sacrifices. It meant that Israel would soon be free of its oppressors. It meant the beginning of heaven on earth for the Jews. It meant all of those things. And then once they came to that realization very quickly. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Peace. Among those with whom he is pleased. It meant that the hope that they had felt for centuries, these Jewish people, the hope that they felt was now going to be a reality. It was happening. And it was happening right there. And more than anything else, they were looking forward to peace. They were looking forward to not being oppressed. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger, just like the angel said they were excited they were so excited in fact that they left all their sheep which we know is not something a shepherd would readily do unless it was really important remember we've read that a shepherd will leave the 99 of the flock and go find the one that is lost and bring him back in extreme situations shepherds would leave their flocks for a short time. And that's what happened here. And then they found Joseph and Mary, and they found the baby, and he was just like the angel described, wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a feeding trough. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Now, this is not a wondering like, hmm, what on earth do these shepherds mean? I'm not quite sure. This was not a wondering like that. This was wonderment. Another translation of this word is they would marvel. Another translation is that they were impressed.
1: This was something that they were not expecting to hear on that
0: night, especially not from shepherds. They were in wonder. These people would probably not be just sitting there and listening and going, hmm, that's interesting. These people would start chattering amongst each other because this was the news. This was the news that Israel had waited for for 400 years. Messiah! Messiah! is here. He's not coming. he's not in some far-off distant place. He is right here in our town. And they just would be chattering back and forth. Well, what does this mean? Oh, I don't believe it. Well, I do believe it. well, let's go see the child. Well, leave the child alone because he's got to sleep, whatever it was that they were talking about, and they would just be excited. But Mary, treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary didn't say anything. She watched these shepherds come. She heard what these shepherds said. And she quietly pondered them in her heart. And Mary does this from time to time. We read in the Gospels that something will happen, and Mary would treasure up that thing in her heart and ponder it. Mary was probably wondering, what does all this mean? What does it mean for my child? Can you imagine if you got a message from the angels about your child? What does that mean for him? When Gabriel came and told me I was going to be pregnant, he said that he was going to be the Son of God. The shepherds said that he's going to be the Messiah. What does all this mean? For all the answers that she had, she had many, many more questions. And those questions lasted her the rest of her life. Because she quietly pondered. She removed herself from all of the noise, all of the talking and the conjecture and everything else, and she just said, what is this? Which is what we should be doing during this time of year, every day really, but especially during this time of year when we say that Advent is a time of preparation, a time of of getting ready for the birth of Jesus Christ, we should be stepping back from all of the noise and pondering these things in our hearts. Getting back to the shepherds just for a second, we finish this passage by reading Luke chapter 2, verse 20. And the shepherds returned. That means they returned to their flocks. They went back to work. But they were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told. When you walk out of church on Sunday morning, are you glorifying and praising God for the things that you've heard and seen. I'm not even talking about the sermon. I'm talking about the people. People who have gathered together in this place for the purpose of worshiping our Father. That is what you should be pondering. You should read these stories and read them anew because each of these stories gives us a glimpse of what was happening on that night. We can get a glimpse of the joy that the shepherds felt as they returned to their flocks as we watch Matthew be dedicated this morning. As we watch a family who is promising to raise their child to know who Jesus Christ is so that when he becomes of an age where he can decide, he will have all of the information. These shepherds had first-hand knowledge of a miracle. Messiah was born. And he was born like a stone's throw away from us. Soon their work would be obsolete. They were going to be jobless, they thought. Because if Messiah is here, we don't have to worry about raising the sheep for these uh, sacrifices anymore. Maybe we'll raise them and sell the wool or whatever, but... We might be jobless. They didn't care. Because what was happening was more important than their job. What was happening was more important than all of the things that they had gone through in their lives. And it brought them joy. They knew that they would serve whatever purpose God had for them. And if that meant not shepherding anymore, God would give them something else. And they would do that service just as well. This is the message of Christmas. It's a holy encounter with our Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this encounter is supposed to change everything. It's supposed to change how we look at the world. It's supposed to change how we look at each other, how we look at our neighbors, how we look at our friends, how we look at our enemies. That's what Christmas is. And how we live and what we do should all be transformed by the joy of Christ's coming. Because Christ came to be the ultimate sacrificial lamb. He came to be the last sacrifice. This should fill us with ultimate joy, but often we get tangled up in all of this other stuff surrounding this time of year. We think about all of these things. Oh, how are we going to celebrate Christmas? And whose family are we going to go to? And what food are we going to have? And all of this. And which parties are we going to go to? And which parties are we not going to go to? Because we really don't like those people that much. What are we going to do? Do you ever think, what do we say at this time of year? What's the typical greeting? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You know what Mary means? It means happy. We're wishing each other a temporary happiness during this time of the year. Now, I have a foreign exchange student who comes from France. She is she's just delightful. She's a wonderful person. She is very talkative. But when December came around, she started walking around the school giving the traditional French greeting of the season. Joyeux Noël. Mr. Derica, joyeux Noël. I love the language, it's beautiful. But, do you know what the words actually mean? Joyful Christmas. Not merry Christmas, not happy Christmas. Not Christmas that's going to make you smile for a couple of days until we get to the new year and we all have to go back to school and work. Joyous Christmas. I love that. I want to encourage this congregation. I want to encourage anybody that's listening to this or watching this. Don't have a Christmas that is determined by how temporarily happy it makes you. Don't focus on the parties. Don't focus on the school break that ends or the ugly sweaters or the decorations or the fact that some people say happy holidays. Stop focusing on those things. Don't focus on the presents that will make you happy on December 25th and are sometimes in the trash by January 1st. These are all temporary things. Have a Christmas that reminds you of the joy That the shepherds felt at hearing that they were being rescued. That the thing they had waited for for centuries was here and it was for all people. Store up these events in your hearts. Read scripture. I love that uh, the youth group is reading a chapter out of the book of Luke every day. So that by the uh, the 24th of December, they've read the entire book of Luke. They've read the entire story of Jesus. Store up those scriptures. Ponder them in your heart. Consider the hope of Jesus Christ and the peace that he brings between us and God the Father. And let your hearts be full of joy. And let that joy shine. Jesus told us, we are the light of the world. And he told his church, we are a city on a hill. You ever seen a city on a hill when you're driving in the dark? Man, it's bright, isn't it? You can tell exactly what it is. You can almost tell how to get there. That's what we're supposed to be. The city on the hill. We're supposed to shine bright as a church and as individuals so that people can see us and tell what we are just by looking. And as we continue untangling Christmas and pondering what is real and true and separating it from what is manufactured by the world to elicit some sort of fleeting emotion, let us be bold in sharing Christ with others. Let us be bold because of the hope that Christ gives us. Let us be bold because of the peace that Jesus brings and the joy that Christ is. Would you pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for creating us. We thank you for being with us every moment of every day. Father, we thank you that you had a plan in place even before the foundations of the world to send your son, Jesus Christ, so that we might reconcile with you after we had sinned. Father, we look at all these things and we see them through a lens that's 2,000 years old. Help us to see with fresh eyes. Help us to read these stories of your son's birth with a newness where we can't help but feel joy every time we think, every time we ponder the things that Jesus Christ, your son, did for us. Father, you see, In two weeks, we're going to be celebrating the birth of your son. Help us to truly celebrate the hope and the peace and the joy and the love that we find in Jesus Christ and help us to be that light. Help this church to be that city on the hill where people can't help but know exactly who we are by shining Christ's light. We pray these things in the name of your Son. Amen. As we step out into the world this week, as we count down to the birth of Jesus Christ, let us be the light of the world. Let us shine Jesus Christ on everyone we see and let us not be afraid to tell people who he is, and what he has done. God bless you this week.